Hey everyone, welcome back to the Dynamic Leaders Podcast. We are doing something a little bit different on the podcast, some additional content that we're going to be putting out to you on a semi-regular basis or when our schedules sync up. But I have on with me a co-host for the first time and hopefully not the last, but we are bringing back Danny Fay, who, as we mentioned in her guest episode, came out just a little while ago. She is a broadcast journalism major at Penn State, also on the softball team. And we thought this could be a really cool collaborative opportunity and a way to get Danny some reps and get her more experience in the field that she wants to do when she gets older and leaves college and moves on to the next phases of her life. And also just use it as an opportunity to continue to check in with her on her leadership journey. Now, I've said a whole lot. Danny, welcome as the co-host to the show. Thanks, Colin. I really appreciate the offer. And I'm super excited to start to get a feel for my voice uh, to be able to have a better, make a career out of this. So really appreciate this and super excited to get going with it. Yeah, I'm definitely excited too. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to play around probably with some different formats and have a lot of different topics for you guys here in the future. So please do keep coming back for these episodes. I think we're going to potentially call it, what do we agree on? The, the lion chat with Danny and Colin, something like that, right? Yeah, Latin chat sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so if we have suggestions for even better names, we certainly will take them. But I think that's a good one for now. And uh, with that, I want to you know dive right in. I know Danny has a couple things on her mind that she wants to walk us through here on today's first episode together. But I will turn over the microphone to her and let's go with this thing. Thanks, Colin. Um, I know that one of the uh, in my previous podcast, just by myself, one of the main things that I brought up was um, just female athletes in general and how um, it's, it's still an issue still in 2019, how um, kind of discrimination towards a female athlete. And one of the biggest things off of that, especially after the Women's World Cup just recently happened this summer, was the difference between male athletes celebrating and female athletes celebrating and why people react differently to it. So I think that is a good topic to start off on because I firsthandedly see it uh, in my game and along with watching TV, seeing on Twitter, and it was really hard to uh, not see it happening this summer, especially with the all the uh, chatter with the women's, women's women, uh, women winning the World Cup. So I know, I'm sure you watched it, Colin, right? Yes, I did. Awesome. Good job. <laughs> but um, I am actually curious to see, I know a whole bunch of people I've talked to who are mostly female athletes uh, think very uh, strongly towards this topic, but especially talking towards someone who was a, an ex-athlete and a male athlete, I was just curious and thought it would be a good topic to start with since we both have probably different views on this one, like uh, different perspectives, I should say, not views. Yeah, I think you're... Definitely right. Although I would be willing to bet a small amount of money that we're a little bit more similar in our views than maybe oh, you might sure. anticipate. But it's interesting that topic. Honestly, I, I don't even know why it's an issue or a talking point in the first place. 
And this is coming from a former baseball player where if you celebrate, you have fear of retribution for getting a fastball, a 99 mile an hour fastball to your head and potentially not only ending your career, but putting your life in danger. And I've never understood it from a baseball perspective. I certainly don't understand it from a male female perspective. So it's one of those things that for me, I don't understand why we have to talk about it in this way. And I'm hopeful that five years is a long time, but it's a short time, I guess, for some of these things. And when you're talking about significant change like this, it may not be enough time, but I'm hopeful five, 10, 15 at the very latest years from now, these conversations aren't even a thing. And I'm sure from a female perspective, you could probably, you probably want to agree with that as well. Yeah, of course. It absolutely kind of is like shocking that's still a conversation, it's still a topic, but it's also still here. So it almost has to be addressed and has to be talked about. And I know when uh, Megan Rapino and the New York City, they're celebrating their 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 parade. Her the end of her speech uh, in New York City was, "We have to be better." And based off of just saying that we're as a whole, we can recognize these things and we have to talk about it. And I know a lot of people after her speech were like, okay, everyone's talking about it, but what's the next step, Megan? Like, what are you going to do? And kind of like bashing her for trying to make the world a better place, which was kind of interesting to me. But definitely just having the conversation is a good start for everywhere, for every sport, every, even and not even, even out of athletics and into like the business world and into that, uh, into that like place of work. But definitely some things that I was looking up completely shocked me and kind of getting ready for this interview because everyone knows the stuff that's thrown in your face on social media. But once you dig deeper, it's kind of uh, interesting to see what you can find. And one of the things that I found in an article is from uh, Psychology Today. It was an article that was talking about the 2010 Winter Olympics when the Canadian Canadian women's hockey team uh, were kind of being bashed on for being, for a, celebrating because they won and then they went back to the arena to um celebrate and had champagne had champagne was dancing singing with their with their with their athletes and everything like that but um even the executive director from the tournament is a quote from the article and says i don't think it's a good promotion i don't think it's a good promotion of sports values if they celebrate in the changing room that's one thing but not in public we'll investigate what happened which I thought it was kind of crazy that he called it an investigation. <laughs> and I was like, why is this a crime? Because uh, last time I checked, the as soon as someone wins the Super Bowl or the World Series, everyone's on on TV and, and filming in the locker rooms too. So I thought that was kind of interesting. And the Olympics, you have to wait four years. So it's kind of like – Imagine every World Series, every Super Bowl, we had to wait four years um, to see who won, which I thought it was kind of crazy that he called it an investigation for the fact that athletes have been working their entire lives or even in the last how many years just to perfect the their game to the highest level that they can to be able to take home a gold together. Yeah, and think, right. about, think about where we are in a society today, like you mentioned, the Super Bowl, the World Series, those celebrations, those on-field and even the off-field celebrations, like in the clubhouse, 
afterwards are completely mm-hmm. scripted these days. When you're talking about the male sports where as soon as the final out is made in World Series, there are representatives from fanatics running out onto the field with t-shirts and with hats and everything. I It was amazing. The last time, so I'm a Yankees fan, and the last time the Yankees won the World Series in 2009, I hadn't really watched many post-game ceremonies from World Series champions over the past eight years prior to that. The Yankees <laughs> won the World Series in 2000, and I just I would watch the World Series, but I wouldn't really watch the celebrations. And I remember thinking to myself, even then, that was 10 years ago, how scripted it was and how fake it almost felt. And it was just so weird. And to think that they go through those lengths for the men's sports and then <laughs> that quote that you read from the executive director for the women's hockey, it it's such a head scratcher. I don't understand it. I don't, why, why are we killing people for celebrating? It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, no, that that's so true. And all of, they walk up to the captain of the NFL team, where are you going after the Super Bowl? And I'm going to Disney world or something <laughs> right, like that. Right. Like, something crazy and you're like okay are you really going though like (laughs) but I think it's kind of uh interesting that one of one of the main things that I think of when female athletes are celebrating is Brandy Chastain from the 1999 World Cup when she won the game-winning shot and she raced on the field took off her jersey and slid and screamed and I'm sure everyone if you're a sports fan you know that picture you know who that person is and so as I mean immediately when I was thinking about this discussion I was like all right I'm gonna look up Brandon Chastain obviously and the first articles that showed up were the first I took the top four the first one was reasonable Brandon Chastain's reaction to scoring the World Cup winning game winner is immortalized in bronze at the Rose Bowl. So it was just like a statue of her at the Rose Bowl. The second was what happened after Brandy Chastain's PK and celebration, U.S. soccer's most iconic moment. And I was like, I clicked on every single one. The first one was informational. The second one was strictly about where that sports bra in the picture is right now till this day. And then the second one, the third one was whatever happened to Brandy Chastain's favorite, famous sports bra from 1999 and the fourth one was the sports bra scene around the world has new meaning 20 years later. So I thought it was interesting that not the fact that she scored the goal, the game winning goal for the 1999 world cup, but where's the sports bra that, that was in the picture because she took off her Jersey running around like crazy, which I thought, but is I thought that was interesting because I never seen something like brought up like that in that way but I I just wanted to get your views on that to see if how you react to those um those headlines yeah I think I have two sides from this I can definitely Mm -hmm. see the side where it's women being objectified right like we're not talking about them winning the world cup we're talking about the bra that Brandy was wearing Mm -hmm. and just what's been going on throughout pretty much the course of mankind or at least recorded mankind is the objectifying of women. So I can definitely see it from that side, but here's where I'm really curious and I'd love to get your thoughts. So I'm going to bounce this back to you. Okay. Women's sports. And this is just a fact. It's not to bring women down or anything like that. 
as far as like the evolution of, especially like professional sports, their evolution period, it's just behind where the men's games are because the men's games obviously started earlier than the women's leagues did. So what I'm curious about is I think about some of the iconic photos throughout sports history or even world history. And, you know, one of them is Muhammad Ali when he's kind of standing over the dude that he KO'd. I can't even remember who it was, but it's a super iconic photo. And it's just one of those things that when you think of boxing or when you think of professional sports, you can think about that picture and it doesn't like rile up any different types of feelings or any different types of thoughts. It's just, wow, that was a cool moment. That's an awesome picture. Let's move on. There's gotta be some other examples. Like I think about miracle when the uh, men's hockey team won the 1980 cup and they or 1980 gold medal and the game that when they beat the Soviets and you see when they like put their hands up in the air after the game's over and they're celebrating and whether it's the video or whether it's just a still shot photo, that's something that's really immortalized in people's brains, especially if you're sports fans or even fans of American sports in that case. And I wonder if eventually as the evolution of this whole thing happens, that we will get to a point where we see the picture of Brandy when she rips her shirt off and is showing all that emotion and that happiness. And it's such a cool moment and obviously a huge moment for the United States and for women's soccer in particular. And I wonder if like 20 years from now, we'll see it as just one of those other pictures of an amazing sports moment and nothing more. Like we won't have to talk about the bra. (laughs) We won't have to objectify anything. Do you think that can happen in the future where we can get away from this? Yeah, for sure. And even like fast forward to to today on Megan Rapinoe's and uh, Morgan Alex Morgan's uh, celebrations during the the World Cup. Like she was sipping the tea, and everyone was like, "That's awesome! Like that is so cool. You're playing you're playing the England team, playing the British. Like that's really cool. Like that's a jab, but that's how sports are. You know, you got to be like that. But you also have like the second half. Like that's just disrespectful. All that things. And I'm sure some people when that came out with Muhammad Ali and he's standing over his opponent, like, get up, like, you're not going to, but I'm sure people were like, that's, that's badass. But (laughs) I love the kind of the like fire that it puts underneath athletes because it gives us more of a, um, well, watch me do this. Watch Mm -hmm. me make the cool play. Watch me celebrate the way I want to. And I think it will go away because even people that I'm around and I celebrate ridiculously on the field, I, make a play diving catch I'm screaming with my teammates I'm I slide into home like I don't care what the score is I'm going to celebrate and a lot of my teammates are like you're insane but it fires us up and a lot of my female my male athlete friends they say like you're crazy on the field and I've never seen a female athlete play that way but they love it and I think it's really cool because once we start to see more of that and once um like other male athletes I think that's going to be the start of it when other male athletes get behind get behind us on it, which they a hundred percent will because that's, they know how it feels right in the moment, but it's the people on the outside that we need to get um, more on board with this because I think that the chatter on the social media 
and just like on the news and stuff is just things are the people that are just tearing uh, pictures down or, or just like beating people down on what they do and how they perform or how they celebrate. And I do think it'll be different. And I think it's going to be better because it's already made such a difference in the past couple years. So I, yeah, I think it's going to get better and I don't think it's going to take very long. I really think that after all the commotion this summer, especially that we'll be able to have a better platform to be able to do what we want to do during sports. Yeah. And I hope that you're right. As far as like getting the men to support all these efforts a little bit more and be a little bit more vocal Mm -hmm. with everything. I think that's a really important aspect. Like I can think of Kobe Bryant recently just being very, outspoken. I don't know if outspoken is the right word, but giving a lot of shout outs and recognition to the WNBA. And he's got some personal clout in that. Now I think he's got, um, you know, some, somebody that is a relative or something along those lines that is coming up through the WNBA. So maybe he's a little bit closer to it in that sense, but we need more of those type of people and those type of situations where male athletes are vocalizing that these female athletes are just as amazing as they are. And in some cases they're probably even better. Uh, Yeah, definitely. And he's, I was about to point him out. That's funny that you brought him up, but there was another, there was a collegiate football player. I forget his name, but he was all over Twitter when the women's college world series for softball was going on. And he was like, this is amazing. Like, is there a professional team for this? Like if there isn't, we have to get one right now because these, <laughs> these girls are so good. So that ended up being someone to comment and say, yes, like actually there is like, here's where you can find the games. Like here's the teams. There's not many, but we're working on it. Mm-hmm. And um, he th- threw out the first pitch opening day for women's college world series. And how many followers he has is probably like, thousands on thousands so them just spreading the word or giving the slightest bit of attention towards uh female athletes and women's sports is like it'll spread like wildfire at that point because it's all over their page and their friends retweet it who are athletes and it just you know how stuff spreads in social media and that'll just that's just a perfect example of how uh other male athletes can spread the word for female athletes to get Uh, more recognition and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's funny that we're talking about this today and we've gotten to this point in the conversation because this is normally what we talk about on the podcast is a lot about leadership. And this is really a leadership centered issue. Like if you're getting Mm -hmm. the influential people behind you, and in this case, we're talking about women's sports, then that's going to catapult it to where we think it should be or we think it needs to be in the future. It's one of those things that you have to be purposeful about it. So you need those influential people to help you get from where you are now, where you're not happy to a point where it's not a talking point anymore and it becomes a cultural norm more than anything else. Yeah, I love that cultural norm. That's huge. Yes, absolutely. Definitely what we're looking to get out of this, I think. And uh, I don't know, do you want to go any further on this or do you want to dive into a little bit about your leadership journey right now? I know the school uh, school session is not even started yet. It's just starting and, mm-hmm. and uh, falls coming in for 
softball season, but do you want to give us a little bit of an update on your journey with everything? Yeah, of course. Uh, School starts Monday, so we don't start softball until Wednesday, but we have a whole bunch of team meetings on Sunday. So I'm heading back Friday to support our women's soccer team, their home opener against Stanford, so that should be fun. And um, a few goals this this season, both academically and um, athletically, one of the most, one of the ones that's very important to me was uh, I'm going to coast like the newbies, the freshmen through the first semester, which is always like summer. Some, they were there for the summer session too. But as a freshman going into your first fall semester while being an athlete is just insane. Like you're <laughs> living in a dorm. So now I have my own apartment. I live by myself. So even just dinners, giving them rides because they don't have cars on campus, a place to sleep that isn't a dorm room. If they want to crash on the pullout couch, they can. Because I was a few of my teammates that are now seniors were really, or graduated, were really great about that. So, and kind of like passed the baton on to the other, other girls who are us still in school. So I'm excited to do that for them because I was, had, had really good uh, people taking care of me when I was a freshman. Um, back to hitting, hit over 250 this fall. I know that's kind of high, but might as well shoot for the stars if I'm going to make a goal anyways. And uh, I want to break down my mechanics like I have been this entire summer. And never one of my number one goals when I'm in the box is never get too late in the count, never let a pitch go by that I liked and never regret not swinging. Because a few times last year, I would see the ball right down the pipe in an oh count and be like, oh, man, that was my pitch. Like, what the heck? And then going into that is uh, find the balance between a confident and cocky mentality game. Because in the outfield, I run it like it's like nobody's business. And I just need to take that confidence I have on the field, in the, on defense, into the box with me. Because it's just so much more of, if you're mentally strong, it'll build your confidence immensely. Which is one of the things I've been working on ever since I stepped on Penn State campus. But one of my... Our volunteer coaches, uh, Coach Hafe, her name is, she played at Seton Hall, and now she's a volunteer coach at Penn State, and she uh, recommended a book to me. I don't know if you've heard it. It's called Mind Gym. It's an athlete's guide to inner excellence by Gary Mack with David Castevens. and I've been reading it nonstop <laughs> because I'm writing in it, and it's such a great book. If you ever have an athlete that you talk to that's like mentally struggling or doesn't have self-confidence or just has any, any different thing that isn't physical because physically it's so easy for us to go in, put the work in and sweat it all out. But once we hit competition, sometimes it's hard to lock in mentally, which I've noticed is a weakness of mine. So definitely reading this book has changed a lot of my perspectives and goals and I guess um, one of the best quotes I have had in that book so far is a quote from Magic Johnson, who I've actually met before on an airplane. He's a very nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> and his, name, and his uh, quote is, talent is never enough. With few exceptions, the best players are the hardest workers, which kind of leads off of my our last conversation with the solo podcast when I wasn't a co-host about just trying to work as hard as you can and it'll get you places that you want to go. Yeah, I love all that. And I think that's an awesome resource. I'll put that in the show notes. So if people do want to 
reference that or buy it, look into it, whatever it is, they'll be there, easy reference. And uh, I love how your goals to are broken down into different categories, right? Like you have your on-field responsibilities and things that you are looking to do to make yourself a better player, but then you have your off-field things as well, more the cultural leadership aspect of everything. And it'll be interesting as we go through this journey to hear about things get busy, obviously, in college and throwing in some of those extra responsibilities that you want to help the girls, but also have to worry about your own schoolwork and your own things that are going on in your life and how to balance that. I'm sure there's going to be a little bit of a, an adjustment period, not to say that you can't do it, but we'll sure there's going to be some things that you can talk to us about some uh, roads that maybe you didn't see <laughs> very clearly as, as you yeah. were going down that uh, you can help people out in the future. Cause I think that's a really good practice for programs like this, where there's going to be that natural turnover because people are going to graduate. So to be able to look at some of those underclassmen and say, Hey, you're going to take the baton when I'm gone or, Hey, this might be something to look into. And you've taken that responsibility and I'm sure you're going to identify people that can take that from you when you leave school. And it's just that whole circle of life, I guess. But my quote is very similar to yours. And I swear, I swear I had picked this out before I saw that you were going to give us a magic Johnson quote (laughs) uh, on talent. So my quote to close this conversation out today is there may be people that have more talent than you, but there's no excuse for anyone to work harder than you do. And that came from the former captain, Derek Jeter. Mm-hmm. The That's re- funny. That, that was uh, plastered on my dorm wall, my freshman year. <laughs> <laughs> so that's funny you did that one. <laughs> yeah. Well, so it stuck out to me because, and maybe this is something that we can talk about in the future, but I don't know. Do you think, like, I feel like hard work gets such a negative rap these days. Like people are like, work smarter, not harder. And like, I totally get that. I'm all about efficiency. I'm all about streamlining things. But there is something to be said about actually putting in hard work. And like I said, maybe we can talk about this in a little bit more detail on another conversation that we have in the future. But man, there's a difference between working hard and working in a way that burns you out or gets you nowhere, like doing insanity things all over and over again. But that's why that stood out to me. And then you had that quote and I was like, hey, this actually works out really well. That does work out. <laughs> but yeah, I would love to discuss that in a further podcast, especially how that kind of has shifted. And it's interesting you bring that up because I haven't even thought of that. Work hard, work smarter, not harder. But it is something that people preach nowadays and the quantity versus uh, quality versus quantity as well. So I think like those two concepts smashed together can probably make the perfect recipe for hard work. But yeah, we can definitely talk about that soon. All righty. Looks like we have a topic lined up already for the future, but I think that's going to wrap us up here today. Any last thoughts you want to leave us with Danny before we let you go? No, it was a good first show in my opinion. <laughs> Agreed. We will be back. We're still figuring out the exact schedule with this moving forward, but there will be a future episode of the Lion Talk or the Lion Chat. See, I'm even still messing up here. We'll get it all figured out.